0: Welcome to Harnessing Your Wealth with Billy Peterson. As the founder and CEO of Peterson Wealth Services and a former number one-ranked jockey, Billy knows what it takes to succeed. In this podcast, Billy and his team will help equine enthusiasts, business owners, and retirees understand the keys to financial freedom. Saddle up and get ready for a ride you won't soon forget on how you can harness your wealth.
1: Hi out to you out there, sports fans. This is Billy Peterson. I am your host of Harnessing Your Wealth. Thanks for joining us today. Sean Peterson is also on the show today, and we are going to talk about the state of the markets and all that's going on out there in the world. Sean, this should be a fun show.
2: I'm pretty excited. I'm, I'm glad to be back, Bill.
1: <laughs> we let you out of the cage every once in a while when we need that great insight you have. So here we are. I just wanted to start off with saying that we're going to cover three main points today. I think they are what's on everyone's mind, especially in this last few weeks where we've seen heightened anxiety around the world. The economy is trying to find its footing and it's having a hard time doing it. We have a war that's broken out and all of us have been watching that this day and age of social media where we have information in front of us, almost 24 seven. And it, it, really becomes almost overwhelming at times. And people make reactions based on what they're seeing out there. And all of these things lead to more volatility in the markets. And what we call the VIX, V I X, that stands for volatility index. It has spiked here recently with stocks last week dropping a fair amount. And now we're down 10% from the peaks, which puts us into what we call correction territory. And every time we get into correction, the media loves it because they throw fuel on the fire and agitate the news story. And then people start wondering what we need to do. And be honest, some people call and want to change everything at this point. Even though we've gone through risk tolerance scenarios and told them markets go up, markets go down, there's going to be volatility. We cannot keep that from happening. But it's just like very, very common factor emotion takes the best of some people when you get into these environments and they lose sight of what the markets are for and they lose faith and I think that's the biggest problem so when you lose faith you, you there's a couple of options one you get out completely you sell everything you then you have to do something so the easy choice right now is to jump into money market funds money markets let's face it they're they're higher than they've been in years, right, Sean? They look pretty attractive at this point. They do level.
2: look attractive on paper. You're getting a nice yield, typically around five, five and a quarter percent creeping up there. It gets pretty tempting to just say, hey, the hell with all the volatility. I'm just going to park my money there. But there's a cost to that.
1: Yeah. What is that? What is the cost to that, Sean? What's the other side of the coin?
2: Well, I think the first thing I think of is, well, inflation is much higher than that. So your your dollars are not working for you as hard as you work to earn them.
1: Now even though the Fed or the government's coming out with numbers saying that inflation's tapered down to 3 or 4%, are you saying that you're not really agreeing with that or buying that?
2: I'm not at this point. I mean, I've lost a lot of faith in our in all the reports I get from the government or or any outlet at this point. So I just I always go back to myself. And you go to the grocery store and you can't walk out of there without spending at least $100. You might get two sacks and it's $100 plus. So, and then go fill up your car with gas or book a trip or go out, take your family out to dinner. To tell me inflation is tapering, I have a hard time believing that. And I just, I just don't know if I like those numbers. And again, going back to your question about money markets and Is that rate good? Yeah, it looks good on paper, but I don't think you're keeping up with inflation. And the other thing I think you're missing out on is what is the opportunity cost? Typically, when markets correct like they have, which by the way is normal, to get one 10% correction a year is normal. That's about the average. Well, markets, when when things feel the worst, that's usually when they turn and go up. So what you're missing out on is opportunity cost with your um, money market interest rate that you think you're getting such a good deal on. And then the other risk you have is is reinvestment risk. Rates aren't going to stay this high forever. There's going to be a turning point where the Fed pauses on their rate hikes and then start cutting rates. And then you're trying to reinvest in your money markets or your CDs, and you're not going to get anything for it. So, And then likely the stock market has run up on you, and you've, you missed it. You felt like you were doing something by by being smart and removing the volatility but really you've kind of put yourself into a corner if you now short term money i hey great if you know you want to park it for something short term under a year a goal you've got and you want to earn a little interest along the way i think a money market's a good option mm-hmm. but don't be right. fooled for long term money
1: that's a great point because it is tempting and a lot of people are tempted to put all of their money in the money market accounts and just mm-hmm you know leave the leave the stock market and bond market behind so we understand that but let's talk about a couple of these major points that I want to cover today no, number one the bond market let's talk about it because the bond market is very very critical in what happens with the stock market and with the overall economy and you've seen that the 10-year bond and the 2-year bond have inverted in other words the 2-year bond Is yielding more than the 10-year bond which sounds extremely counterintuitive when you consider that you have to lock your money up on a 10-year obviously for 10 years yet you get less on an annual return than you do by buying the two-year and this goes right back to sean's point on the money market so the bond market is anticipating that rates are going to go back down on a longer term or a midterm basis and so people would say well i would I wouldn't want to buy a 10-year if I can get a higher yield on the two-year, but the reinvestment risk on the two-year is the problem. As those bonds come due, the the markets are starting s- to tell us that the yields are going to be going down, not up. So over the next couple three, four years, your reinvestment risk gets worse. Now, if you lock in a 10-year, you, you have that money staying fixed for that period of time. Mm-hmm. So inverted yield curves usually tell us that there's a recession on the horizon. We've been talking about that for a while. That doesn't mean anything by itself. It's just saying there's a recession. Usually that's after the fact. Everyone out there is making fear-mongering statements that a recession is coming and pending and looming and it could start within two weeks. This is not like some major event, some bomb's going to drop. This is not that. This is just looking back on the data, so going backwards and saying, hey, the economy slowed down for a quarter from the prior quarter. And if it does that two quarters in a row, bingo, we just lived through a recession. And that's very, very normal. We've had so many recessions in the last 50 years that, I mean, I think there's been double digit number of recessions and we go through each one of them The market resets, the economy resets. But what we're doing right now is the Federal Reserve is trying to find a way to manage the inflationary environment that was, by the way, created by silly, and I'll call it stupid, policy at the highest level. And that was all managing through the pandemic and making choices that were counterproductive to the sustainability of an economy and yeah, it provided a short-term jolt to the market but it was all money that was thinly created and now needs to be drained or absorbed back out so higher interest rates leads to higher costs for borrowing which leads to lower profits for businesses which is why the markets are now in this volatility stage and corporate profits are going to be hurt Consumers are going to be discouraged from borrowing. So oh, that's just a factor of trying to slow the economy. They're trying to manage through this. Also, housing is going to slow down because people are not going to be excited about picking up a 7 or an 8% mortgage. And studies show that mortgage levels are expected to remain at 6 to 6.5% all the way through 2025. So that's going to have, be a headwind or a drag on... On housing and activity the big trend right now is what sean rental so people have stopped buying homes single family homes they're they're renting that that market's getting very crowded you know we've had people talk to us about buying rental properties and buying a rental house and that that's going to be their investment of the future and we strongly caution people from doing that because again that whenever something's very crowded and there's a lot of people doing it, just go back in time and see what, what the happens, the aftermath of what happens, like the real estate collapse when everyone wanted a piece of that. It doesn't last forever.
2: So And it, it's difficult too to, to get a return on investment because typically when you're buying a rental, you're leveraged, you're borrowing money. And when money is getting expensive as it is right now, it's hard to turn a profit. Then you talk about the illiquidity of it and the additional costs that go along with it and, and don't get us wrong i've seen people do really well in w- real estate but there's you got to be kind of really picky in this this environment but you know bill you talked a lot about like rates increasing and maybe recession on the horizon how are the equity markets reacting to all of this what is what has gone on over the last year or two in the equity markets
1: it's really been a consolidated market and when i say that i mean handful of stocks a small percentage of stocks Mm -hmm. have driven nearly all of the return see the returns are measured by benchmarks or indexes indices plural and usually we're talking about the s p 500 which is the most commonly followed stock market index and the s p 500 had a decent year started out this year last year it was a struggle but we're still up nine percent on the s p so far for the year, the problem with that, if you take the curtain and peel it back as is saying, look, what's going on behind this, what's driving the returns. And it's only a handful of stocks. Right. And, and we call those the magnificent seven, Sean. Yeah. And, um, and there's the, you know, they're just the standard Amazon meta Apple, alphabet, Apple, yeah. Tesla,
2: Nvidia and Microsoft. They have really driven all the returns this year in the market. I, I've seen numerous charts. If you take those out, I believe the S and P is is flat or negative for the year. Mm-hmm. So you're really going on two years of of struggles in the in the S and P 500. Those that's 500 largest U.S. companies. That's what that index measures. And I I think lately the market was fooled a little bit the stock market because I think they thought that the fed was going to stop hiking interest rates we didn't really say that we didn't advocate that that was going to happen we thought hey this they're going to have to do raise for longer than what they were planning so now now the market is in my opinion i think this is billy's opinion too is repricing in more interest rate hikes and that's why we've seen some volatility and you've really started to see it trickle down into some of these technology names because a lot of especially smaller tech companies these high growth tech companies they rely on debt to manage all their operations and when that capital is starting to get more and more expensive you see shareholders or potential you know investors shy away from those type of companies
1: i think we're seeing a
2: lot of that right now
1: your your technology stocks are the borrowers and they are impacted more and more by interest rates so every year every day you see the pricing of the 10 year and the tenure is important because that's kind of what's what a lot of these loans are based on. And so we're watching that tenure very closely. I have this line that I'm watching. I don't want it to cross the 5% level, but it might. If we raise, if the Fed raises the rates one, possibly two more times, my gut's telling me they have two more hikes before we're going to get this consumer to back off enough to get prices mellowed out. We're still spending too much money, and I think as a country, we we're addicted to it. And we we came out of the pandemic with almost this this urge or this pent up demand. Yeah, t- yeah. I'm going to buy, and I don't care what happens. I'm spending because our savings rates as a country shot up to the highest level they've ever been because during no the, one
2: was doing anything during the pandemic.
1: Correct during the pandemic. Yeah. So actually, it was financially solvent. it's one thing that financial advisors like us advocate for is people actually holding on to some money and having some res- reserves and something behind them rather than just all smoke and mirrors and looking like they're really very wealthy, yet it's all owned by a bank or a credit card company or some mortgage company. You know, when you have a lot of reserves, you don't need to show it off. But now we've spent down, and that revenge spending has kicked in to where we've depleted all the savings. Consumers have driven the markets, and a lot of the technology companies have benefited from it. But now back to that point about the other 493 companies in the S&P 500, many of them are down for the year as far as price performance. What does that mean to us? Are we scared about that? No. Matter of fact, we look at it from the opposite standpoint. There is going to be pent up demand for those shares as we move forward because they, everything reverts back to the mean at some point. The averages matter. And when these companies are going for years without any price appreciation and and they still have the earnings, they still have the quality of the company, the employees, everything is still as it was for the most part. Those shares are sooner or later going to become unlocked and the price is going to appreciate back up to their average annual levels, if all things being equal. So getting back to the interest rate environment, we need to see the Fed hit the peak interest rate cycle of this cycle. And we think, again, that may be one, probably two more hikes. You're going to get one more this year, probably one more in the first quarter. And then I think they're going to pause, and hopefully we start to see the numbers play out, where it's going to be a soft landing and not a hard, sudden, rocky landing. Uh, another thing I think is getting the consumer to maybe reevaluate the, the spending habits and maybe decide, hey, we're not going to spend as much, is all the uncertainty going around the world. And whenever there's uncertainty like this going around around, around the world, I think by and large, consumers want to protect what they have because they don't know what's coming down the pike. So that is acting almost like a curb on spending, as well as this recent surge in oil prices. And oil prices are almost always spike whenever you have conflict like this, especially conflict in areas that are big oil producing regions for the world. And our country these last few years has become dependent on foreign oil at one point let's just say it it was under trump we were energy independent and now we are not because of the green energy push we are no longer energy independent but we're still using a ton of oil so we want other countries to i guess pollute the environment if that was the if that was considered the problem uh but we'll buy it from them and we have uh, a ton of resources here that we're not using so again that's another consumer cost that has to be factored in and at some point if the raise, if oil keeps climbing that is also going to have an effect on consumer spending so those all those things combined are having an impact on the equity markets more sellers than buyers right now more mm-hmm. sellers than buyers that's really what it boils down to
0: excuse me we're almost in the home stretch for the episode But before we cross the finish line, I just want you to know that you can contact Billy and his team at www.petersonws.com or by visiting the show notes. Now back to harnessing your wealth.
2: Well, and I think if we start getting some of these numbers, like you're talking about with the consumer, like their saving levels are going down, their debt levels are going up. You're hearing more and more about people getting laid off. I mean, all signs, like this is a very signaled recession, let's call it, and what changes i mean once we look at that backwards data and it says yeah the economy has slowed i mean what what's the paradigm shift there with i'm mostly thinking about the fed i mean that kind of changes things right because now the market starts saying hey the fed's gonna stop raising rates they're gonna start cutting and then you typically see equity markets react in a positive way am i right or am i wrong bill
1: sean this is the the craziest thing about the world we live in and so, all you out there listening, remember this: when we get into a market like this, bad news is good news, and that's weird. What do I mean? What do I mean by that? Well, you start getting bad news from an economic standpoint. The data comes in. There's a slowdown, more jobless numbers, housing doesn't meet the levels that was expected. That's bad news. Mm-hmm. So people would think, well, that's an immediate reason for a sell-off. Market's going to go down. But actually, in a lot of cases, most cases in this kind of an environment, those data points actually lead to a market increase because they are realizing that the Fed has manufactured the soft landing that they're hoping for, or at least a slowdown in the economic activity. And what we're trying to do is get inflation out of our economy. And that is the only way to do it, folks. By cutting consumer spending and extracting the money that's circulating in our economy. So it's no longer flowing and flowing and flowing. Maybe people start putting it in the bank and saving it. Maybe they start holding on to it and not wanting to let it go. And that's what it's going to take. So, watch for those data points to start changing the perception of the Federal Reserve and where they're ultimately going to end up. Savings rates, Sean, you know this. Savings rates in the country are now at a 30-year low at Mm. only 3.9%. Historically, savings rates averaged 6.3%. However, contradicting that, we're sitting at a record net worth. Mm. Now, that seems awfully, awfully strange, Well, net worth is at a record, but think about why.
2: I would say housing has run up so much and it hasn't felt the correction that the stock market has felt would be one factor I would throw in there.
1: Correct. And a lot of that's on paper, right? And so what happens to the consumer if suddenly now their housing values start to deteriorate?
2: Net worth goes down.
1: Correct. Big, big part of it. So remember, just because you think your house is worth something today doesn't mean it's going to stay there. And I would say logic tells us that as consumer spending dries up and people start losing jobs and the economy slows, all of those values come down. Mm -hmm. And that's another reason why I'd be awfully cautious to go out there and buy a bunch of real estate properties, rental properties. I know that's the... That's the flavor of the day right now. Everyone wants to buy a rental property because they can get income off of it. Well, what happens when your renter decides they're no longer going to rent? Because um, they lost their job. They lost their job. Or maybe they're going to move in with mom and dad again, or maybe rates come down in a year, year and a half. And now people want to buy a house. They don't want your rental property.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So there's a lot, There's pros and cons with every every idea you can come up with. And what we're trying to do is manage through the good and bad with equity markets. We all know the good reasons are so liquid and long-term the average return is double digits, you know, nine, 10%. If you stay and ride through these storms. So just because we're in one now, doesn't mean the world's falling apart and we're never coming back to what we were. Yeah. We're just getting set ready to reset. For another economic expansion when that starts we're not really sure but we're getting closer every day what do you think
2: oh i was going to ask you one one thing why we're just on equity markets i mean if i'm listening to this as a listener of our podcast kind of sounds like we're anticipating this recession and i'll tell you we're not anticipating an 08-09 real estate collapse recession but where are the opportunities in a slowing economy, Billy? Just maybe not specific names, but maybe some sectors to that we're keeping an eye on.
1: Our overweights right now in the big picture from an, from an asset allocation standpoint are the energy, healthcare, and technology s- stocks.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And technology, we just talked about maybe struggling due to the interest rate environment, but we're offsetting... Their struggle is with their growth potential. Growth potential is phenomenal for technology companies for the next 10 years. That's a lot to do with demographics, but also to do with this whole new wave of new tech we call artificial intelligence. And from what we read and the information that we're getting, it's a game changer for everyone, for the whole world of how we're going to operate, how we're going to communicate, how we're going to function as a society. And the companies that are front and center looking at AI and the ones that are providing those types of services and are in front of that have a chance to make a lot of money. So we're still very, very attracted to technology. We've increased our energy allocation twice this year, and that's due to providing some more defensive characteristics and stability and we think the cash flow is phenomenal in the industry right now tons and tons of cash you've seen the consolidation pick up here in recent weeks with with Pioneer getting bought out by Exxon and then Hess getting bought out by Chevron you're I think you're going to see more of that mergers acquisitions, consolidation there's a ton of cash and these companies want to buy the earnings of these other businesses so we are we are excited for the outlook of energy and then healthcare another overweight again aging population defensive characteristics tons of cash flow and we think they're going to manage the uncertain environment with the next 12 months better than than some others so those are the ones we like the most. Good. we're not, yeah, we're not really, really bullish on the REIT or real estate complex. We're not very excited about the utility area, the industrial area. so we're we're kind of trimming back. We're also trimming back on the consumer discretion. Again, with people slowing down their spending and they're they're not have to have stuff. They are going to stop some of those maybe. I don't know, frequent purchases that have become habit. So, what do you think when that comes to mind? Just some of the things that aren't necessary to live your life. That that's where it's gonna get cut.
2: <laughs> are you are you telling me there might be less Amazon boxes delivered to my house? I
1: think that's a very likely scenario. Okay, I,
2: I'm all for that. I know that sounds not that sounds counterintuitive, but I'm kind of for that.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, we're big Amazon <laughs> lovers, we buy the stock, we love their services. But again, just sitting home clicking on your phone because you're bored. I think that may slow down. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so the outlook, guys, what we want to maybe leave you with is the economic slowdown in 2024 is not going to be anything that we're super worried about. It's already being priced in, factored into the markets. And most of it we think is baked into the cake. This most recent correction has all to do is all to do with the pricing in a one more rate hike, maybe two. Also, if we get peak rates or interest rate peaks or peak out in 2024, mid 2024, I think you're going to start seeing the sentiment coming back into the market for positive expectations for future growth. And, also, I think there's some things to be excited about going into next year. You're going to see more and more conversations around the election and potential changes to our country and our economic landscape. As well know, it's been a challenge here for the last few years, primarily with the interest rate environment. There's been a lot of things circulating in the media with regards to border and and the security of immigration. There's been oil prices and what that's going to look like government spending which seems to be out of control with everything that gets crammed into these omnibus budgets that you know they don't even have time to read but they just stamp them and move forward and we're spending billions and billions of dollars and the taxpayers want on the hook for all of this so i think people are fed up with a lot of the things going on in in congress and of course you know Politicians have some of the lowest approval ratings in the history of our country. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to be excited about though, going forward. Rinse rates are going to peak. They're going to head down. Corporate profits are going to reset. We're going to see some changes to some of the things we're not happy with. And again, prices are even better than they were. That's what we're looking at. That's what we're excited about. And I think that these are the times when most of the investment dollars uh, are are earned. When you have the best returns is when you are able to buy and defer into markets that are a little bit uncertain. Bond market is down for the last two years. That's unprecedented. We had a 15% correction in bonds last year, and then the U.S. Aggregate Bond Index is down another 2% for the year, year to date, so through October. And that's very unusual. So a lot of folks out there pounding the table on buying 10 and 20 and even 30 year bonds, because they think that the cycle is going to change and start over now and rates are so high that they're going to be forced to cut. Remember Mm -hmm. rates going down leads to bond prices going up. Right now we've been in the opposite environment. We're not quite ready to buy super long-term bonds. Again, one or two more hikes, but I think we're getting very close. Mm -hmm. So those are our thoughts. Sean, anything, final words?
2: I'm just honored that you had me on here as kind of a guest or side side speaker with you. So, thanks for having me. It's always good to to chat and try to hopefully we provided our listeners with some context about all this craziness that's going on in the world and you know, I'll tell you as soon as we get through this craziness, there'll be something else to worry about. <laughs> so, there's never a blue sky, guys, but it is important to understand what's going on and believe me when i say this we take our job very seriously here and that's why we're diving into all this data all the time and trying to make the best decisions with the information that we have
1: love it remember to take each day one day at a time out there guys don't get ahead of yourself and don't be looking in the past just stay in the moment that's best for your wealth and your health till next time you guys
0: stay in the saddle Thank you for listening to Harnessing Your Wealth with Billy Peterson. Before we declare the race official, please click the follow button so you can be notified when new episodes become available. For more information about today's show, please check out the show notes. Visit our website at www.petersonws.com or give us a call at 801-475-4002. Once again, thank you for listening.